Welcome to the Run Radio Podcast. My name's Trina, and my guest today is Heather Noggle with Codestack. Welcome. Hi, Trina. Good to meet you and see you again. Yes, I've I've really been interested in what you've been sharing and talking about at our network groups. It's something that we all, I think we know about, but sometimes out of sight, out of mind, and that is the importance of cybersecurity. So can you talk a little bit about why, What what's your why behind that for us? Okay, we are all people trying to do our lives. And right now our lives are all wrapped up in the internet, especially since the pandemic. If you were not really much of a computer user before the pandemic, probably just to stay in touch with loved ones, you became a very heavy computer user with Zoom and other platforms where we can share moments of maybe children growing up and other things that are important, we share through email and also through video conference. So we are all now online. We've got these smartphones and everything we do. We have to recognize that there are some threats there, just like there are threats in real life. Then we can see those coming. The threats online or the cyber threats, we may not notice until after they've bitten us. So it's a different dynamic. And there are some very simple things we can do as people in educating ourselves and maybe changing a few behaviors that really make it harder for anybody who might be trying to catch us in a net of other fish, not specifically targeting us as individual people. So we can talk through a few of those if you're interested. Absolutely. I I know that, you know, we think about locking our doors when we walk out of our house or stop the car. But sometimes when it comes to our computers, we're just like, maybe naive or just not really thinking about that. And um, you've talked about, I think you might have even said one time, it's not if, but when you the compromisation can come. So kind of just touch on all of that, like the things that we're just letting slip by us or where our vulnerabilities lie. Sure. So computing power is increasing and has been increasing since we first had our first little computers at home that weren't connected to the internet. The strength of programming languages and the new ways of doing things change yearly and even monthly sometimes. We took a look at ChatGPT coming out late last year, and that has changed a whole lot of things and the way people do things. And so we're constantly reassessing, well, what do we need to do and change? But as regular people living our lives, we're not doing that per se. Maybe 15 years ago, a password that was six characters to eight characters long would have been okay. But every year that recommendation actually increases for the length of characters in a password and to make sure you don't use common regular words. Last year I was recommending 12. Now I'm recommending that characters in a password, you need 15 characters in your passwords. Oh my goodness. Yes. The only way to really manage that effectively is to use a password manager because we can't be remembering 15 character passwords for each site and each of these should be unique and so if you have i have hundreds and hundreds of sites i've visited over time because i've been online since the early 90s so keeping track of those is near impossible but a password manager like one password i used to recommend LastPass, but they had a pretty bad breach and so one password would be a go-to if you are not familiar with a password manager would be a great place to start and then you just need a master password into that which is usually a phrase of a bunch of characters that mean something to you so some words passphrase usually has some words in there connected by maybe some characters so looking at just making those simple changes and one more with your passwords can keep your access to regular accounts pretty solid 
And that other change there is adding another factor to your logins. So you okay. may have heard of two-factor or multi-factor authentication. And you can do that through using one, an app on your phone. There's Google Authenticator. There's Microsoft Authenticator. There's Authy. There's Duo. And it's just a small little hassle that every time you run into that, if you set that up, you recognize, oh, I'm thwarting the bad guys. And then it's less of a hassle. So okay. if you're not familiar with these terms, those are the things to look up on Google is strong passwords and recommendations for that password manager. And then also multi-factor authentication. I've got some short videos on that as well. Those are terms to research and understand and have somebody help you get those set up if you're not familiar with them because they will make a major difference. That's the, I would call that the first line of defense and human human behavior. I think for, you know, of course, everybody just using, like you said, just using the internet, using your computers, but businesses as well, we really need to be aware of scams and our privacy starts to feel like there is no such thing anymore. So can you talk about, you know, not, you know, burying your, your head in a hole and not participating, but also being as, as prepared as we can be? Oh, sure. Privacy, that's that's hard. There are things in our lives we want to keep private. I would say our, our health records are definitely things we want to keep private. Excuse me a second. Nose itch. <laughs> <laughs> so think of just your, your health data. And through that, there's a, a standard with regulations and compliance, HIPAA that started with health insurance. And now that we have this electronic medical record, all of that and keeping private is very important. And we put trust in organizations like our healthcare providers that they're going to do their best to make that private. What can we do as individuals? These practices that I mentioned with the passwords and the multi-factor authentication are good. Also doing some steps to secure your home network, recognizing I've got a smartwatch on, that's an internet of things device. And so it's connecting to the internet. It has the capability to do that. Understanding that Apple and how it locks down its devices. So some mobile security as well, looking into that there are some anti-malware providers that provide software that you can put on your mobile device, excuse me, mobile devices as well to cover that. And then things, going back to Internet of Things, everybody has wireless these days. So you have a wireless router likely in your home, just simply changing its default password, making sure that that is not the factory, which might be something like admin, admin where if somebody had access to your network could could get in broader by breaching into with that default password. So there's a, a sense of awareness when you know some of the key things to do and you make a few changes in there without being scared. Because talking with all of us, if you give us something that scares us, we'll be scared for a day, but maybe not make changes. And I think that these are very powerful changes, just recognizing it's 2023, we're soon going to be in 2024, and that the, the world online is different than our physical world, but has a lot of mirrors. So going back to what we we're talking about, physical security, and applying those practices, learning what to do, teaching your friends and relatives, these basic cyber hygiene, almost like toothbrushing practices. Yeah. Well, you've been in the tech realm for a long time. Is there anything that has surprised you as everything changes and morphs constantly? 
I've been surprised and a little disheartened by all the cybercrime, but mm. I've read and learned from people that the adoption of the criminals is often faster than the adoption of the regular public because they see the opportunities there. And so with any t new technology, the advantage is with, for the short time, with the bad guys, which is another reason to try to keep up as much as we can with our online practices. And then eventually over time, the good guys even out. And then the next thing will come along and we're playing just a little bit of catch up because the good guys have the ethics and the standards and we have things we have to adhere to, whereas the, the criminals don't have those things. So it's not just a technical component, it's very human. What made you want to take the turn? Because you were a developer for a while. Yeah. So what made you kind of think, nah, I, I want to look into this and focus on this? And <laughs> Sure. I was a software developer for a very long time. And then I started to shift into the business end of things. I came from a human resources career into software development and then started working with companies on what they needed in their software more than actually writing it, managing bigger projects, doing those sorts of things. And I bought a business. And after I bought the business, we were working on a couple years modernizing it. And I had worked for that business for a very long time, but it was in need of some modernization. And we got to where we were about to debut that business. And it was February of 2020. <laughs> so we, I guess it would have been early March 2020 because we were due to fly out to San Diego to a giant conference in our industry, had a booth ready to show everything off. And two days before the conference, they finally had enough count of COVID, I guess, to get their money back, the conference providers. And so they canceled the conference. And as you know, the world shut down. So at that point, I think everybody evaluated in the pandemic, who am I, what am I doing, where can I make an impact? It's those three things. Some of us went and had rough times and some of us embraced it. And I would say a lot of us kind of flirted between the two, <laughs> between really rough times and embracing it. Out of that, I, I learned I really didn't want to be scaling a business like a startup. Yeah. And my business partner was very, very gung-ho to do so. So I sold her the majority of that business and then spent the, the next year or so trying to work my way through making sure I was leaving all, all of my knowledge in the business and then what to do from there. And what to do from there has turned out to be a whole lot of writing mm -hmm. and my own consulting company, Codastack, that you mentioned earlier. And then also the cybersecurity angle came from an entrepreneurship conference. And okay. so, yeah, it was a combination in Joplin a few years back where they had a cybersecurity entrepreneurship conference. I was attending for the entrepreneurship piece and all the cybersecurity content was just fascinating. And it felt like I've been here all along. I've been on the internet. 1991 was my first email. Oh, or 1992, wow. I'm sorry, 92. 1992 is first email. And so I've watched it all morph and evolve and I can talk through the changes you know, we have a short time here, but I, I could talk for hours in a structured format of how we got here, what it means and where to go. Well, I want to, I want talking to the entrepreneur side of it for just a moment, like that's a lot to do at any stage in life, but you've also got this whole other career and life that you've managed in the meantime. What was that like with, with a busy career handling the things that life throws at you? <laughs> you know, having a family, how were you able to kind of make all that work? 
I'm, I think just like everybody does one day at a time, I'm not sure <laughs> that every day was very effective, but I actually met you in passing at a 5k. My kiddos ran when they, they went to Springfield Lutheran school, which goes through eighth grade. And they are now involved with mission, the Missouri state high school association for sports. So they do sanction 5k's with all the other schools, the public schools, but back then to do the five, they were doing 5k's instead of cross country meets. Cause it's, you know, 3.1 miles. It's the same. And so the kiddos you would see, you might've remembered this, you would see all these kids running. So that was one of the things we did with them is because my husband and I figured rather than make small talk with the parents, we just go ahead and run the races. So yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. the kiddos and, and my husband and, and me, and he's a much stronger runner than I am. So a lot of that is the involvement with the kids, getting into their activities, doing the things that they enjoy, and also creating some things that they enjoy. So I enjoy Silver Dollar City a lot with my kids. We ride a lot of roller coasters, and we don't go every year, so it kind of has a novelty yeah. to it. So just trying to keep some novelty, some sameness, some tradition, and not a lot of sleep sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> just finishing and, up. How do you manage? Well, and you even got through something that would normally take a lot of people out of commission, but it, you seem to have jumped and pushed through the hurdle of cancer. Can you yeah. share a little bit about how that affected everything in the process? Yeah, I was 19 when I found a tumor in my face. Wow. And yeah. So we didn't know what that was. I was perfectly healthy up until that point. I was in college and we found the tumor and within two short months. It was determined to be a tumor. It had to come out and I might have full facial paralysis at 19. And so they, they did all that. I came out of the surgery at this point in technology as it was, they didn't think it was malignant. So I came out thinking I had a blind benign tumor. My face was frozen. They said it'll probably heal with the way they did it. And so we went through all that and through time, it was diagnosed two weeks later as a malignant tumor. I took a semester off college and was able to get it treated and returned to life. And I felt pretty normal about a year later. So yeah, I've met other people who've been through this type of cancer because it is a little disfiguring and they take seemingly one of two paths. One, it's okay, I had this, what's next? Or it is a debilitating thing because it changes how you look. And also it's, there's a lot of pain with, with head and neck. So mm -hmm. if there's anything wrong with your head and neck, there can be a lot of pain. And I have met people in, in both camps and I, it took a while, but I decided to be a person who's going to the whole rest of my life ahead of me and I get to age. So yeah. most days I, I can take that approach and, and call aging a good thing and enjoy it. So good, good. That, that, that year that you had to take off and you know, you're busy mm -hmm. fighting and trying to get well, were, were you, did you have a lot of worry? I feel like sometimes at 19, you kind of, you have a different perspective than you do at different stages when you're diagnosed with something. Yeah. What was that like for you getting that? 19 is perfect. You're fully grown. <laughs> so no worries with puberty. Okay. And on the other side of that, you still have all the youth on your side for healing. Yeah. So looking back on that, I'll say 19 is perfect. I do feel like I aged 10 years that year, emotionally, oh, mentally. Yeah. And mostly in a good way. That was the year that that Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito had that movie Twins. Yeah. And so people were all walking around talking, I have a tumor in Arnold's voice. And I never really did appreciate that because I actually had one. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny looking back now. Yeah. But yeah. But at the time, yeah. Very, very funny. 
funny then. Difficult. Very glad that you made so much out of that. And you continue to do more and more. You've been speaking more, like you said, writing yeah. more. How can you help uh, some, either an individual that is terrified of the word cyber anything or a business that needs to make sure that they can, you know, make sure they are taking care of their business the way they need to and protect everything? The shift happens a little bit with business, depending on the size. And so that's one thing is what computers and other devices do you have, knowing that, keeping them patched. And then there's everything we talked about with people and all they need to behave. That also factors into the mix. And then there are things like anti-malware on top of those computers. So not only keeping them patched, if you've got Windows, making sure you get your updates on that, but also making sure that if someone does inadvertently click on something, if you've got good software to catch that and stop it from doing harm most of the time and then from there it's an idea of what software do we use what risk do we have in the software that we use how we operate as people what industry we're in because there can be very small companies that work in medical industry and there are additional compliance needs they need to undertake are they backing up their data regularly are they verifying that their backups are working so I can help assess the risk tolerance of the company. So not only the tolerance, I would say the appetite and then the tolerance, which comes after, because that's where it starts to break of, no, we're not willing to risk this. And then the individual practices and how they align with that risk tolerance, as well as the compliance, and then help the companies or for nonprofit organizations with finding the right partners as they grow, because that then becomes the next interesting phase is here's where we are now. What's changing in how we operate in the world and what's changing within our organization because we're about to grow, what new needs will we have? So it's more of a business consulting approach to cybersecurity and finding the right partners to handle the technical aspects of it. And then the psychological aspects of helping the companies and other organizations avoid fraud through their daily practices. A lot of what Pamela Hernandez talked about with Better Business World of scams, because most scams these days are through computers now either through email or through electronic means of leaving voicemails on your phone, et cetera. Yeah. And they are, they're crafty. They are not, they are. I think that people at first will think, Oh, I'll see that. I'll notice that they are sneaky. They are getting crafty. I've seen LinkedIn stuff yeah. from LinkedIn think that they're get, giving me a, an interview or something. And it's a scam. And they will start asking for, they'll ease into it and start asking for stuff. And we've got to stop and don't give them any information. What's your tips to someone that thinks, you know, they get click happy or excited. What if they've done that click already and then they think about it? Is there any going back? There can be because the if you've got a good anti-malware software in place, if you're in a business, the very first thing you do is let your IT staff know. If you don't have IT staff know, reach out to someone who can give you a hand. There are plenty of companies here in Springfield that can do that. And the very first thing to do is recognize there could be trouble. Take okay. the computer offline would be the next the, and step there too, just to make sure that if you are infected with something, you're not affecting other computers on your network. And everyone I, of any age, anybody older than say probably 15 has probably had something happen to your computer or an account that you didn't want and didn't expect. Some people weak passwords on Facebook, for example, 
And scammers, the biggest, biggest thing for anything you didn't expect or solicit is to pause. Okay. Because scammers will try to elicit some sort of either super positive or super negative emotion to take over your brain so that if you look at this and read it, then you feel like you have to take action right now. And that's the biggest advice I can get is to pause and then, as Pamela said, step back and do the research. That There is no shame in that, she said. Yeah. So just go ahead and make sure you're doing your due diligence because if it's digital, it's a bunch of zeros and ones, even if it looks like you or me. Oh, wow. Until proven otherwise, it's a bunch of zeros and ones. What other things do you have? Tell me, tell me more things that I'm not thinking to ask because this is a, <laughs> there's a lot of information when it comes to this stuff. A lot of small organizations use, say, Google or Google Suite. I think they use, I don't remember what they call it now for business, but Microsoft 365. Mm -hmm. And they may believe that their data is automatically backed up. We recommend doing an additional backup on top of that because unless, depending on the package, it's probably not automatically backed up. And being very aware that the world we're living in now goes increasingly online and we have got to look at it and add some skills to make sure that we are teaching our parents too enough skills of what to do and not to do online. I recommend not using public internet without a VPN or virtual private network. And if at all possible, avoid the, the public Wi-Fi and go ahead and use one. Most phones will have a hotspot now. That's a better practice. And just keeping people out of, making it harder for cyber criminals to target us or to catch us in the nets of the grand targets that they're doing. I think I, that's I, a good way to end. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, like you said, parents, I, I've, I've got a friend who has a father that keeps getting scammed and he keeps falling for it. And she is just in dire straits trying to keep him from clicking on things and, and such. So it's, it's a lot. I remember when mail merge came out yeah. and my grandmother was just fascinated that, you know, publishers clearinghouse would send her an email <laughs> with her name on it yeah. and any new technology or anything disruptive. I'm sure we will have our own thing when I'm we are sure older that we just <laughs> can't see coming. And so we've got to be very gentle with the people in our lives yes. who are not that computer savvy and Essentially, if you're going to be on the computer, you have due diligence you need to practice in how you interact online. And so I've seen some of the, the ideas on the senior homes where they have a single network and mm -hmm. there's one login for all the people and people yeah. in some of these retirement communities. They're very nice, so they probably have money. And so that's another reason to really oh. talk with parents, your parents, if yeah. they're living in one of these communities, get your own internet. If you're planning yeah. on being online, get your own internet if there's a common password for everyone, because all it takes is getting into that network and now there's access to everyone. Oh, goodness. That's a great tip. Great tip. Yeah. All right. Where can people go so they can get in contact with you, take some of your, your read your stuff, follow you along, take, watch your videos. Okay. I'm at heathernoggle.com to make it easy. And then my business website is codistac.com. So that's Codistac. I'm on LinkedIn. I write daily on LinkedIn with different tips, trying to build stories. And then all of a sudden they're about cybersecurity. It's one of my favorite things to do. It's just, <laughs> it doesn't start that way. You're not thinking you're writing, reading about cybersecurity, but a lot of these practices to keep it top of mind. And 
I will win when I'm walking around Springfield and somebody just whispers, that's that cybersecurity lady. And then they're thinking about cybersecurity. So <laughs> that's what I'm aiming for there. All right. Well, you're doing a very good job. Thank you for coming and sharing. Appreciate it. Come back and see us. Thanks, Trina. Thanks.